You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. It's a new week on On the Line, and we thank you for joining us on your Monday afternoon. We're here with you from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., and then we'll have the drive following us on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and on ESPN 106.7. Four hours of local programming, and we are pumped to bring it here to you. On the line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We want to hear from you. Join in the show at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Later on in the show today at about 2.30, we'll have Christian Page of CoverOne.net to join us on the show today. He'll be talking to us a lot about some of these guys that are moving on to the NFL draft out of Auburn, talking to us about what that could mean for those guys making the jump to the NFL. He covers the NFL draft, and so we'll get some great analysis from him on NFL draft prospects coming out of Auburn, but also we'll get his thoughts on what's happened lately with Auburn football and how they've had some recent hires and then also departures and uh, whatever additions there may be for Auburn moving forward. But let's get started talking about what feels like an addition to this Auburn defense for next year, even though he's been a guy that's been here for several years now. Roger McCreary, defensive back, stud in that defensive backfield, has announced that he will be returning for the 2021 football season at Auburn, much to the contrary of some of his fellow teammates, because at this point, as of right now, there have been, according to 24-7 Sports' transfer portal tracker, if you go and look up the guys that have been leaving Auburn, there's like 11 players that have transferred out of Auburn's program just this past season alone, including the two new ones yesterday and Big Cat and Daquan Newkirk. We'll talk about the good first. Roger McCreary's back. What does this mean for the Auburn defense? It's in, it's really good for the Auburn defense because, for one, he's one of the most consistent players that they had on defense last year, notching around, what, 40, 45 tackles last year. He brings a veteran presence as he is one of the – he was one of the breakout stars of this defense last year, which otherwise had a, a – mediocre year in terms of I guess what you would say their standards are so it's really good just to have someone who was one of the better players come back and now it seems that Auburn will probably be returning their top four cornerbacks which is that's always good if you have a good position group and you're bringing back depth you're bringing back you know some leadership it's really good for the Auburn Tigers that he is coming back especially again just being such a consistent piece of the defense last year by far his best season as an Auburn Tiger this past year from a numerical standpoint he had three interceptions this year to only one INT back in 2019 and then although his passes defended dropped this year from nine to six from 2019 to 2020 I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that offenses aren't throwing his way as much as they were possibly when he came onto the scene in 2019 I think everybody saw when he was a freshman in 2018 and said hey this guy this guy might end up being special last year really burst onto the scene and then this season continued that 
and it really sticks out to me about a guy that still found a way to come away with three interceptions three interceptions in a 10 game season guys aren't throwing to aren't throwing his way as much and he's doing it still with a defensive line that really wasn't great at getting a pass rush but this is huge for Auburn this is big for an Auburn team that over the past two weeks has seen a lot of guys depart for either the NFL draft or what they think will be greener pastures in college football yesterday two big blows to the defensive line for defensive line depth and for this position group to have Roger McCreary and Smoke Monday both back guys that have a lot of experience veteran presence in a defensive backfield that had a lot of youth in it this year and is even seeing Christian Tut take off for the NFL draft which some people may think that's not a big deal after some of the struggles he's had in coverage and in run support but it's a big deal for Auburn to have a veteran presence on that side of the football in the defensive backfield where Auburn's going to have depth concerns at many different position groups but I don't think defensive back is going to be one of them not at all you said it smoke Monday and Roger McCreary both coming back that is a really good duo for this team to be able to lean on especially when you think historically at least within the past I don't know let's say 10 years or so Auburn has had struggles at secondary a lot it has been a defensive line that has usually been the highlight of an Auburn defense and now going into next year you could really see this team leaning on their secondary with their cornerbacks who are going to be returning going to have a lot of experience between the two of them a lot of talent between the two of them as well it's a really big it's a really big move for Auburn to be able to retain Roger McCreary like you said there's a lot of guys who are coming there are a lot of guys who are leaving out transferring out going to the NFL it's good to hold the ones that you can hold on to and Roger McCreary again one of the highlights had his best year last year it sky's the limit he could really develop into a better football player coming in next year playing alongside smoke monday and really bolster the secondary of this defense and make it such a strong point for him someone that's going to be in the frame a lot with roger mccreary is jamie and sherwood and jamie and sherwood yet to make an announcement yet on what he's doing whether he's coming back whether he's moving on he was a junior last year and so he's got another year of eligibility amongst this defensive backfield I believe Roger McCreary is the most draft-ready guy right now. Roger McCreary was probably a second or third-round draft pick this year if he went on. I think he's got a chance, just like Noah Igbenogany did, to play his way next year into a first-round draft pick. That's how good Roger McCreary has been at locking down corners on the outside, and that's how respected this Auburn defensive backfield has become since... Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Noah Igbenogany, all these different guys have gone on to the NFL and have performed well. I mean, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have used Auburn as a farm system for their quarterback positions. And Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are a big reason why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, other than a guy named Tom Brady, are in the NFL playoffs. They're just another one of the pieces on that defense that has worked well together to help elevate the Buccaneers from what has been a mediocre franchise to now an NFL playoff team of course Tom Brady he's the reason why the Buccaneers are in the playoffs but once again Auburn defensive backs are beginning to earn a good reputation as they take on NFL ventures Roger McCreary is a guy that can play him play his draft stock into the first round if he has another exceptional year next year Jamie and Sherwood I mentioned him I think he's got the most NFL body 
to play the position that he's wanting to play at the next level, which is safety. He's also got the versatility and the speed and the agility to be able to move around a defense and play in different positions. A lot of teams are going to drool over that athleticism, but now the production has to meet. Now there has to be a little bit more put on film for sure, what I think. If he were to go on to the next level, I'm not sure. We, we don't know that yet. But this is big that his fellow safety counterpart, Smoke Monday across the top, and then also Roger McCreary are coming back. Those are two guys from the same position group that could possibly have a big part in Jamie Sherwood coming back if he were to do that. It would be really big if they could get Sherwood to come back as well. Again, just pairing all of these guys who have a lot of pro potential. Like you said, McCreary could go right now and be an early round pick. I'm but, not as high on Smoke Monday, but Sherwood and McCreary for sure. Yeah, I think we both agree with that one. Uh, Smoke Monday is a little bit less on there. But again, these guys can come back and really develop. You saw, you said it better than I could say it right now. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, those guys are playing at the next level, playing for a good defense with Tampa Bay in the playoffs, still going there with you know all the noise is going to be around Tom Brady and this team. But they have played exceptionally well this year at the cornerback position. And I like what you said. They've used Auburn as a farm system for defensive backs. And again, these guys could really play into a an early, later round draft stock like Noah Igmanogany did. You could really see that happening this year if these guys come back, especially if Jamie and Sherwood comes back. And man, it would be huge for them to come back. I know we I hit on more of the fact that it's good for Auburn that they got Roger McCreary back. I think it's good for Roger McCreary that he stayed. It's impressive. It's it's really good that he can come back. He can really work on his game. And like you said, give the NFL some more tape. Improve. He could earn some more money. He could earn a lot more money just by playing his way into that first round. There's a big, big wage difference from the there first is. round and the later round. So, yeah, he could come back and earn a lot of money. And I think, I think that this is the better move. I think this is the best move for him to make because he can up that draft stock and really propel himself to the next level that he might not be able to do if he left right now. So I, I really like his decision to come back. I think it's going to help Auburn out a lot, obviously, and I think it's going to help him out in the long run as well. So, again, I think it's just a really good decision by him. I'm on Jamie and Sherwood's Twitter right now, and the most recent thing that he has tweeted, retweeted, is Roger McCreary returning for 2021 at Auburn, the 24-7 sports article about it. Take that for what you will. But, sounds, good. sounds good. But he he's obviously aware of the situation. Of course, they're all aware of, of who's staying and who's coming back. But mum, mum, mum has been the word, right, with, with, with Sherwood. Or no word right now, I guess, on Sherwood. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I feel like he's the next – I feel like he would be the next big name that you're looking at right now, that you're just staring at like, okay, what's next – for this Auburn football team moving forward next year onto the defensive side of the ball. Yesterday, there were some losses. Daquan Newkirk, Big Cat Bryant, which I'm not sweating these as bad as maybe some people are, especially the Big Cat Bryant one. I think more so from a depth perspective on Auburn's defensive line. Auburn's going to be using less defensive linemen now than they have been ever. Auburn's been using four up front right now the buck was definitely acting more as a defensive lineman than an outside linebacker Auburn's moving to a true 3-4 system just from what it appears I went and looked at Vanderbilt's game notes to see what the depth chart was stacked up as at Vanderbilt last year for Derek Mason and he had three defensive linemen one of which was a defensive end two defensive tackles and then he had four linebackers and all four linebackers were at about 240 pounds 
Of course, your buck could be at 240 pounds, but they looked like linebackers to me as opposed to true stand-up, pass-rushing outside linebackers like maybe Auburn, like how Auburn used Big Cat Bryant. So Big Cat Bryant, I wondered how he would fit into a 3-4 scheme because in a 3-4 scheme with these three down defensive linemen, the defensive ends tend to be on the inside of the tackles rather than on the outside. They tend to be closer to the guards playing in the interior. They tend to be larger, bulkier, run-stopping defensive ends as opposed to pass rushers and if they are pass rushers their power they're not finesse they're going to bull rush you they're not as they're not as finesse as maybe what you would see off that side of the ball on the outside with the big cat Bryant Daquan Newkirk on the other hand I felt like fit a little bit more in that scheme rather than big cat Bryant but also talk about depth here at that position of course Auburn lost too but they also have less defensive line positions to fill and so it's give and take you'd like to have bodies on your defensive line and defensive line already was a position group of concern after what we watched this year it's not a good thing to lose these guys I'm just trying to find a positive way to spin it right now other than of course well it's obvious you lost two guys who played substantial minutes this year on the field got a lot of starts they're one of the most experienced they're two of the most experienced guys on that position group that was already hurting this year and you would have liked to have seen them come back next year so it's not a good thing but at least Auburn from a depth perspective is shrinking the position group a little bit as opposed to growing it still with four down linemen so that's the positive way to look at it but still defensive line next year is going to be a position group of concern from a depth perspective because you're missing a handful of guys now Connus Miller would have been great to have it about right now when you're talking about the three four scheme because he fit into it nicely it would be nice for him to still be around. And I mean, again, losing any players, it's always going to be, it's not, it's not good. Anytime you're losing depth and again, starting players and players that played meaningful minutes, it's always going to be hard. And one that was also lost up in that DJ Williams transferring out. I think yep. a lot of people thought, I think they took that one a little bit better because it was DJ Williams and not Tank Bixby who transferred out. I think that was, they took that as the positive of it. But again, this running back room could shrink as well, and we could be looking There's at only a major... two scholarship running backs on the roster right now. Right, and that's another position group of concern at the moment. I mean, the two position, the two big, you know, positions that were kind of left barren yesterday were, you know, the defensive line and the running back position. Again, it's really good that Tank Bigsby stayed, but that depth with DJ Williams could have really bolstered, especially with the new system coming in. I'm interested to see how he does at Florida State. They've been pumping out a lot of good running back talent as of lately. You know, they just lost former Beauregard Hornet LaDamian Webb as he transferred back to his home state and going to Troy now. So it feels a need that they have. So, again, I wish he was staying because it would help. It would definitely help our depth right now. But, again, you got to take the positive. It was DJ Williams and not Tank Bigsby who everybody was kind of worried was going to transfer out after he sat out for the bowl game yeah and dj williams the running back room the dj williams one bothered me because of i know how skimpy the running back room is right now and if armani goodwin does not recommit to auburn which there's still a possibility for that to occur but if he does not recommit to auburn auburn's very late to the game right now what are we like two weeks away from signing day what's auburn gonna do they're they're, they're I don't see any more out there right now in the transfer portal you're coming late to the game and we'll we'll get into this more as the show goes on because Auburn's timetable and it's not their fault in terms of firing Gus Malzahn because the the year ended later because of the coronavirus pandemic that has put Auburn a little bit later to the game 
because they have only begun they've only they only now have a full staff and it's still not even full yet at position groups you just now have a head coach and two coordinators to work with now so you have some semblance of a staff at this moment that didn't happen until late last week how are you going to recruit these positions and so a big part of it is just trying to hold on to the guys that you have and so far that has been a big challenge for Auburn and you know I, I we don't know the motivations for why guys want to leave it's probably different for each one some guys just want to go on to the NFL some guys were probably feeling hard done by the fact that they lost a coach that they loved and there are big changes coming on Auburn's offense defense scheme the way that everything looks there are big changes coming up and we'll talk about what that means for the Auburn football program as we move forward in the show you're listening to On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama and ESPN 106.7. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. Call in at 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. What are your thoughts on the recent departures for Auburn football? What, what does that mean for both of those position groups or for all of those position groups that have seen guys leave, running backs hurting right now? Defensive line saw a couple of guys leave. What does that mean for Auburn next year? And then also Roger McCreary is back that's a huge deal for a defense that just saw two guys also choose to leave so there are also other guys that still have decisions to be made guys like Jamie and Sherwood who has an NFL body ready to go on to the next level will he make the decision to go on we'll just have to wait and see he did retweet today about Roger McCreary coming back to that Auburn secondary and fellow safety smoke Monday also coming back Players are leaving left and right. Coaches are being added left and right. There's a lot to unpack on today's show. So we want to hear from you. Anything you want to talk about, once again, at 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. And talking about Auburn's losses right now, because we, we harped on a lot about what Auburn brought back last segment, and a little bit too on what Auburn lost. But now let's take this a step further. What's a realistic expectation and wins and losses for Auburn next year after you see multiple position groups ravaged by transfers, NFL departures. I mean, seriously, right now, it's looking like a lean year for Auburn. There's serious depth concerns at running back, offensive line, defensive line. I might even go a little bit to say linebacker just because Auburn's changing a scheme now to go from where they've only had two linebackers on the field at all times. Auburn never had more than two to now a system that at least says that it's got four linebackers that could be on the field at any one point at least in its base if they do still play in the three four they could still play in the nickel a lot that's today's day and age of college football you could still see that but I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn starts getting some linebackers out there that maybe lead a little bit more towards pass coverage can drop back into zone coverage a little bit better at that than maybe as at pass rushing is what we've seen in the past but either way there there's a transition there at linebacker so I think that there's depth depth concerns at linebacker when you only really saw two this year with Owen Papo and Zucobi McClain nobody else really logged major experience this year at that position and now there could be as many as four starters at that position if Auburn indeed does make that switch on that side of the ball and then I think you could also point to wide receiver possibly being depth there's a lot of or not being deep there's a lot of bodies there but there are are no experienced bodies there none one through three on the depth chart took off 
and now there's there's a lot of bodies but no experience amongst those bodies it's kind of like Auburn basketball there's you know most of your roster is freshmen and sophomore and they're going to get to play a lot this year and you've got a lot of bodies at all the different positions but there's no experience there so I think you're looking at multiple position groups on both sides of the ball with serious depth concerns I'm looking at a lean year what are your thoughts realistic expectations wins and losses I think this team will probably start off a little bit slower like you said lean you're going to not have a lot of experience with this so I think the team might might start off a little bit slower if I was to just throw out a number I would say in a full 12 game season if we get to that we don't know that what the with state non-conference games with non-conference games we don't know the state of the you know what the state of this pandemic will be by then you've got three easy wins or perceived easier wins with the out-of-conference game, Akron, Georgia State, Alabama State, and then that tough one at Penn State would be a relatively hard game to try to go win with a young team and a new head coach. I'm looking around like six or seven wins, maybe eight if it really turns on down the stretch, but I think that six, seven in a full 12-game season is what we're looking at with, again, the depth issues that they have at certain position groups and the lack of experience that they also have at certain experience groups. And then you're bringing in a new head coach. I think they start off slow. I think they really start showing promise late after they get a lot of experience under their belt. And again, I think 8-4 and kind of seems like the ceiling for this team as of right now. And it seems like six, six, you know, that 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five is going to be more accurate. I have to encourage Auburn fans to use the utmost amount of patience this upcoming football season. And that is not what they want to hear after they just lost all patience with the former head coach. And now they're all of a sudden have to have more patience. It's going to take at least two years, at least two years. Once again, I stress at least two years. You're overhauling a completely new scheme and system on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you, you, you have to show that patience. Do, take a note from the basketball team. Auburn fans have been really good at showing patience with them. Have the same energy for football. It's at least going to take two years to get the right personnel in to run these schemes to their fullest, to have depth built up, to have guys playing the way that they want them to, to have the right skill sets, to not have guys playing. So Some guys are learning something completely different now on defense. They are. Some guys are cha- or you're going to see roles changing across this team. Tight ends now are going to get to catch passes on offense. Like it's It's going to look different across the board next year and I think it's going to take two full recruiting cycles for Auburn to get the right personnel in here for it to finally work the way they want it to now with that being said I agree with you I think the floor that I'm looking at if things go horribly bad horribly bad I think you're looking at six win regular season seven win with a bowl game a six win Auburn team typically wins their bowl game we've seen that track record with with Auburn under Gus Malzahn other than this past year we saw that but because um, Auburn was six and four going into that bowl game but in a traditional year Auburn would have still been about eight wins this year if Auburn had gotten a few of those non-conference games and that brings me to my next point I think the way things are trending right now we will be playing non-conference football games next year that is my best guess because look at college basketball we played and college basketball is in a closed environment it's a lot closer obviously there's more contact in football but once again you're in a closed environment the field of play is a lot smaller there's less protection in basketball plain and simple than there is in football 
I'm thinking just because of what we got with basketball this year, the NBA right now is dealing with some coronavirus things. They are showing no signs of sidelining this season at the moment. The NFL is barreling towards a completion. Everybody has now learned to complete games and to get along fine despite issues that come up because of the coronavirus pandemic. I feel pretty confident in saying that Auburn and other teams in college football will get to play those non-conference games. So you got three wins right there. Auburn's going to beat Akron, Georgia State, and Alabama State. Penn State's up in the air. Do they bounce back after what's happened this past year? So you're looking at three wins, I think, right out the gates out of non-conference play. Let's say Auburn loses on the road to Penn State, because I would imagine that would be a season opener. Well, no, they've got it as September 18th. It's not a season opener. So Auburn will open against Akron on September 4th according to fbsschedules.com and then on september 18th it'll be at penn state we just don't know the dates and times yet of the sec schedule at the moment so an sec game or two will be splitting will be splitting there between akron and penn state or there will be a bye week there we don't know yet but looking at the sec schedule you're at arkansas versus alabama and georgia both of those are at home mississippi state at home Ole miss at home lsu south carolina and texas a&m are all on the road does lsu bounce back next year i'm not super confident about what they're going to be able to do on the offensive side of the ball so i think you see you know a seven win eight win lsu team next year south carolina is still going to be really bad so i think you could chalk up a w there it's just if auburn were to go three and five in sec play beating one of the two mississippi schools beating arkansas and beating south carolina you're at three and five and you win six games overall maybe seven with a bowl game i think on average what you're looking at in the middle there which is what auburn will probably hit is probably a seven win or eight win regular season and then on the high end if they were to go out and win their bowl game maybe nine tops i don't think auburn wins nine regular season games and i don't think auburn wins 10 regular season games no 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 way auburn wins nine or more and so i'm thinking that that's about a realistic expectation and it all centers around the fact that auburn's lost a lot auburn is going to have a lean year guys have left all over the place you're installing a new offense a new playbook you're installing a new defense with schemes and 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 the three four has complicated blitzes auburn's going to be learning a whole whole lot of new things on both sides of the ball and there's going to be a lot of inexperience stepping into places where auburn had experience because those guys transitioned out over these next two weeks i will be very interested to see what players Auburn brings in from this recruiting cycle because now Auburn's going to have to go and fill some needs quickly on the fly and that's very difficult to do considering they got to the recruiting table late because of the timetable of when their coaches were hired on the other side of this break we've got Christian Page of cover1.net joining us on the show stay with us here on on the line Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Follow us on Twitter at at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. No numbers, no nothing. Just straight up at Point Gardner and at levi fitzwater when you when you told me your twitter handle was at levi fitzwater i was like who'd you kill to get that but then again there might not be another levi fitzwater out there so that's that's a big deal find the podcast on apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher and iheart radio now joining us on the phones christian page of cover one.net as promised christian how you doing today my man i'm doing great thank you for having me on 
good close personal friend of mine Christian Page covering the NFL draft for cover1.net also you are very close uh in this local area you you you've grown up around this Auburn football program you know your stuff when it comes to that and so let's unpack this about Auburn football right now we've seen a lot of guys take off for the NFL draft it's felt like it stemmed a little bit from the early departures of last week but a full receiving core is gone now taking off to the NFL draft and I can't remember the last time that Auburn may have jettisoned three guys off to the league but realistically in your eyes you know maybe we'll go zero to ten here ten being uh the highest possibility zero being the lowest and I know I'm putting you on the spot here but zero to ten what's the likelihood that Auburn gets all three of those guys drafted Eli Stove Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz yeah maybe kind of beating around the question there but I think it's probably pretty low I mean I think you you probably have to project Seth Williams as a I don't say a surefire you know day two pick but I think you're looking at probably um, a lock in at least the fourth and no later than the fifth round Anthony Schwartz you know uh, it depends on the combine and what the combine's going to be because you expect him to run really fast. You know, he's going to run, I would assume, somewhere sub 4 3 five. Um, Because if he doesn't run that, then, I mean, we'll get into the skinny of his scattering report. You know, what other skill set does he have that's going to make, you know, his selection worth, you know, a, a top 150 pick or whatever it may be. As far as Eli Stove, I think he's on the outside looking in. Out of these, uh, these, these groups of receivers that are leaving Auburn to go to the NFL, I think Stoves may be the most well-rounded out of all of them, but he doesn't necessarily have that one elite skill, you know, whether it's Seth Williams' physicality, whether it's Anthony Schwartz's speed. Stove has good speed. He is a good route runner. He has decent hands, but he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades at maybe just an average or somewhat below-average level. So uh, as far as all of them going, I think the, the number would be very low. As far as two of them going, maybe I'd put that around seven and a half. For those out there that don't keep up with the NFL draft and maybe not know as much about um, the college to NFL transition, what are what what would you say are the two most important qualities that NFL GMs look at when they're looking at a wide receiver? Yeah, not being able to speak on behalf of all the general managers, but just what I like to see is you, you got to have some kind of potential whether as a route runner, you know, you don't have to be this elite, uh, you know, this elite route runner and be, you know, uh, you know, the Keenan Allen, the uh, Stephon Diggs at the college level, but you have to show some kind of potential. So whether that is dropping your weight in and out of your breaks or showing some kind of explosion off the line with a good release, a good burst, something that you can be the clay and that the, uh, the receivers coach, the head coach and general managers can mold you into something uh, just depending on, you know, if you are a wide receiver one, wide receiver three, something that they can mold and work with to get you to the next level. I think the second thing, I mean, I know it sounds plain and simple, but you got to catch the football. And in both of these, you know, the higher tier guys that with Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams, they struggled last year catching the football. Seth Williams, 18 drops over his career. Anthony Schwartz, 14. Williams had 10 a year ago, and Schwartz had eight a year ago. So you have 18 total drops. Uh, among your top two receivers for the Auburn Tigers. you got to be able to catch the football. you got to show some kind of potential with route running. You could get into speed um, and, and, you know, maybe just your overall route tree later on. But I think those those two, some potential in route running and have consistent hands, I think those are two of the top traits when you're evaluating college to pros. Take me through the skinny, as you called it, of Anthony Schwartz, 
scouting report right now because I think he's a lot of he's a guy that a lot of Auburn fans fell in love with and is kind of probably wondering why this guy's not going to be considered for an NFL team maybe as much as some other guys are out there and maybe a little bit maybe a little bit of that has to do with people were deceived by the speed but take me through a scouting report yeah his his good is really good because as you said a lot of fans fell in love with him because he is he can be a highlight reel when he's you know getting the ball down the field or if he's getting a handoff or a sweep play but it's bad I don't say it's really bad because it's bad you don't ever really see him and you saw you know maybe it was some injuries over the past couple seasons or just Gus Malzahn Chad Morris whoever not knowing how to utilize his unique uh, maybe not unique skill set but his different skill set compared to his contemporaries in that wide receiver room so with Schwartz he has okay hands. I still don't think he's a natural wide receiver. Maybe he could go as far as I don't think he's maybe a natural football player. Uh, sure, there's maybe some football players that you could compare him to in the past that were track stars, basketball players that were new and raw to the, the sport, and they turned into quite the, the football player at the next level. But Schwartz, there's just little intricacies. You know, maybe it's his hand technique catching the football or, or not having that ball tracking ability. Uh, you know, down the field. I know Bo Nix constantly overthrew the guy, but Schwartz's be, uh, ability to track the football was very hit or miss, you know, and I think that being able to track the football and match your hands up for those to correlate, that's what's going to get you those catches down the field. And you see, you know, wide receivers at the next level, level turn that into an art. And I think Schwartz is still a work in progress in that. As far as his underutilization at Auburn, his route tree or lack there, it was very limited. Um, you know, whether he'll get sweeps or, you know, just vertical passes downfield, you didn't really see too much over the intermediate parts of the field. You didn't see really a dynamic usage of him in the slot. So I think those are those are some elements that I think have him on the outside looking in, not of getting drafted, but being, you know, in somewhere of those tiers when you're sectioning off this wide receiver class, which is a very strong wide receiver class. And you got to split hairs when you're splitting hairs. I don't think speed can be used as much of a trump card as some people think for Anthony Schwartz. For this upcoming 2021 Auburn football roster, is there a guy that is on there that is generating the most buzz that Auburn football fans can expect to see at the next level? As far as going into the 2021 season? Yes. Yeah, I think y'all talked about it just a little bit ago. Roger McGreary and that news you know, coming out was big time, and I think Noah hit it on the head, and both of y'all did talking about I perceive him as a second or third round guy and you, if you just want to compare for just recency sake I think he's a more polished and all-around corner better corner than Noah Igbenogany and he went in round one to the Miami Dolphins so I think McCreary may not have that world-class speed or you know maybe overall receiving ability like you saw in Igbenogany but I think from a polished standpoint McCreary definitely checks a lot of boxes to the league a lot of lower body flexibility can play that physical role can play off, has that explosion in his lower half. He has a good accelerator. This year he showed some ball skills, uh, and he showed some returnability after those interceptions. So I think McCreary was kind of a guy that may got picked on a little bit this year. I know he drew uh, a handful of flags this year, but he plays that physical style of ball. He gets his head turned around. He attacks the football. I think this is a big victory uh, for Auburn and, and Brian Harston finding some kind of stability in that defense. I know you all just touched on it. But there's been a lot of guys in the portal going early to the NFL draft. So I think McCreary, uh, from a program standpoint and a projection standpoint, he's a guy that you should definitely circle going into the 2021 season.
there's so much to unpack or unpack after what happened this these past 24 hours maybe new coaches hired and then now guys take it off guys returning i mean they're just a big news dump over the last 48 hours when you're talking about auburn football and then that doesn't even scratch the surface when you talk about sharif cooper we haven't even gotten to sharif cooper yet on today's <laughs> show but biggest takeaway for you this week this weekend maybe with with a new hires at whether it be new hires at coaches or whether it be a departure to the nfl what 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 maybe sticks out to you the most about what was a big news weekend for auburn athletics yeah i mean there's quite a few things uh and just sticking to football i mean uh i mean just within the span of last week i loved Derek mason hire from a recruiting standpoint from a scheme standpoint he's going to run a lot of different things that auburn has not been accustomed to seeing and y'all y'all detailed it very well um uh, on today's show and just seeing you know maybe he runs a a true three four defense maybe some multiple looks as well you're going to see a a different line of recruiting you're going to see more of those bulkier linebackers and not these 200 210 pounds like owen papo or zacoby mcclain are right now um so you may see them put on some weight you're going to see maybe not this natural uh, pass rushing uh, unit that we're used to seeing, maybe from Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner. You're going to see, you're still going to see good athletes up front, but you're going to see more of that run stuffing, um, um, you know, type ability with maybe some some more blitzes use, utilizing those four linebackers. So I think Derek Mason's one of probably my, I say my favorite hire so far to this point under Brian Harson's staff. Um, but I think one one news that I guess is left to be said is the status of Jamie Sherwood because he's really the only guy left that has the ability to declare for the NFL draft that has some kind of merit because I would think he's drafted. He, he's put together uh, quite a few. He had a, he had a solid season this year, had a good season last year. I think he's the one guy that you're kind of scratching your head wondering if he's going to stay or go. Um, and, he, and he's just kind of a quiet person, so it's not necessarily surprising. Uh, but I think he has some buzz to be selected. Uh, but that would be another win for Brian Harson and Derek Mason if they can return Sherwood and uh, Roger McCreary. Just real quick, last question here before we let you get out of here is: Jamie and Sherwood, does Jamie Sherwood have the ability to grow his draft stock to maybe, I don't know, get on the fringe of day one, be a lock for day two for next year if he were to come back for 2021? Yeah, safeties are always kind of hard to evaluate because, especially in today's league, you know they're they're used in so many different packages and and he has the body and the coverage skills and the athleticism to be used in a variety of roles. He's been used in a variety of roles kind of at Auburn as well, whether filling in, you know, as a registered freshman or coming in on the starting role. Um, I think he can grow his draft stock. Now, as far as day one, unlikely, but I think, you know, maybe that top 75 range, um, I would think top 100 range. He has that buzz coming in to the 2021 season if he were to stay another year in college football. So I definitely think he can grow on that because I think from a name recognition standpoint, he has that, and that's enough to kind of, you know, get the media buzz going and get people around the league to start looking into his film because this year was really, I guess, his first full year of starting. Uh, and then if he can knack on, you know, tack on one more year of that and really good play, I think you could see him maybe as a top, you know, five to seven safety, which should put you in that top. 75 to 100 draft range christian thanks for joining us today tell everybody where they can find your stuff absolutely thanks for having me you can visit cover1.net or you can follow me on twitter at underscore christian page i just recently as in an hour ago um just released a a kind of a small uh nfl draft guide for the national championship game tonight i'm telling you what watch everybody on both squads and i know that sounds very bland or very uh 
uh, generic to say, but both teams are loaded. No question why these two, two teams are meeting in the national championship. So you can check that out, cover1.net. Uh, you can check out our podcast, uh, Cover One NFL Draft Podcast, on really anywhere, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, et cetera. So definitely check that out. Give us some reviews. Give us some comments. But looking forward to this game tonight, and I appreciate you all having me on. Appreciate it, my man. Hope you have a good evening. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That was Christian Page of Cover1.net joining us on the show today. We'll have more of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. We'll be wrapping up hour number one. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you wrapping up the first hour of today's On the Line. A big thanks to Christian Page of Cover1.net for joining us on today's show We want you to get on the phone lines with us. Call in at 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. Talk to us about the players coming back, the players leaving. Talk to us about the new coaching hires, whatever's going on in the world of sports that you want to talk about. Come our way with it. Bring the heat. Once again, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. But first, let's go over what's on tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The second episode of the 25th season of The Bachelor is on ABC at 7. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover star in Lethal Weapon at 6 on AMC. They follow it up with Lethal Weapon 2 at 8.30. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper are both in the 2018 hit. A Star is Born on TNT at 7. At 6 on Paramount, you can kick it with My Cousin Vinny. Tonight is the big one in college football. Number 3, Ohio State versus number 1, Alabama and the college football playoff national championship game at 7 on ESPN. If for some reason you aren't watching the Natty, college basketball has two games, UConn at DePaul at 5 on FS1 and Boise State at Wyoming on CBS Sports Network at 8. I wonder what those ratings will be like. The one NBA game on NBA TV is the Pelicans at the Mavericks on at 7.30. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Good lineup tonight. Yeah, it's a lot to watch. Or one thing to watch, right? Alabama-Ohio State National Championship is where my eyes will be this evening. Once I get home from calling Lee Scott's basketball game this afternoon against Southern Prep, I anticipate that game will probably be tipping off around 5.30, and you can listen to that on one of our sister stations, AU100 on 100.3 FM. Lee Scott basketball taking on Southern Prep Academy, so that'll be coming up later as well. Also think it'll be fun here to debut a new segment, something that we thought up and I think we're going to have a good time with. So, So let's get into it. It's time for the Wheel of Misfortune. We take a look at the butt-fumbling, head-scratching choke artist of the week and select the biggest loser on the Wheel of Misfortune. First edition of Wheel of Misfortune here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama on the line. And Wheel of Misfortune, it, it is exactly what the imaging just said it was. This is this is going to be about the loser of the week. Who had it rough this past week or this past weekend? And, you know, let's have some fun with it. Call into the show as well and give us who yours is. We'll be doing that every Monday, so you can expect that on the Wheel of Misfortune. Levi and I have some teams selected, some players selected, some personalities selected. Levi, you and I both have it. So first, are you ready? You, you want to go first? We'll spin the wheel for you first if you want to go first. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's spin the wheel for you. Here we go. 
And mine's actually a tie. What? The Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Because they completely botched that draft by getting Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun <laughs> Watson. Yeah, I know. He, one's got an MVP. One led the league in passing yards this year. One is on pace to be another MVP and a Super Bowl champion. But do they have an NVP, Nickelodeon's valuable player, like Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky did the Chicago Bears, made the right draft selection? <laughs> I know you're just messing with us. That's a lot. And the fact that he was named, I saw that and I was like, what is going on? People did this. You know adults voted in that just to, to play a joke because there's no way somebody comes away from watching that game Chicago Bears losing to the New Orleans Saints. What was it? Twenty-one to three, or no, twenty-one to nine, because of Jimmy Graham's last-second catch. That means nothing. And a great catch, though. But still, the fact that Trubisky. You see, I would say Trubisky is. It would definitely have been a candidate this week because of what Wims did. That changes the landscape of the game if Wims catches that pass to open that to open that ball game up and to have dropped it. Like, you can see the pictures. His head's still looking up in the sky or towards the dome when the ball's coming off of his knee and he's dropping it, which tells me, okay, he didn't look that ball into his hands whatsoever. This is why receivers catch it with your hands. Your hands. Not your body. Not the chest. Not your gut. Whatever. It is your hands. Your hands catch, right? And that is a pet peeve of mine. I, I want to see guys reach their hands out extend out and catch the football attack the football don't let it come to you he was already thinking about what celebration he was going to be doing he was thinking about getting slimed and the ball slid through his hands and the slime cannons right they were ready to fire off i mean it's all so, about the hardware i mean they, they say michael jordan's the best because he has six rings why can't we say mitchell trubisky is the best because he's got that mvp award trubisky's a guy that i wonder if he can rejuvenate his career elsewhere and I wonder if teams are willing to take that shot with him after what we've seen. But he's a guy that I wonder if things are just souring in Chicago. Maybe not necessarily him, but possibly the coaches developing him. I'm just I'm curious. That Bears team has been on a steady decline rather than incline. Very bumpy roads right now. And I'm wondering if maybe he's a guy that could rejuvenate his career elsewhere. Because he had a good start there in Chicago. And now it's, it's bumpy. And he's on the verge of... I wouldn't say falling out of the league because he'd probably get a backup role somewhere first, but that's the step to being pushed out of the NFL. So it's time for mine. We'll spin the wheel. Let's give it to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And falling behind 28-0 to to the Cleveland Browns, who have not won in Heinz Field until yesterday in 17 attempts. They tied there before they won there it had been 17 attempts that's why the stat didn't say they've lost there 17 times they haven't won there in 17 times and the browns throw up 28 on the board in the first quarter and hold on to it despite horrendous defense and allowing big ben to throw for over 500 yards and four touchdowns if i told you that big ben would throw for 500 yards and four touchdowns you would think the browns got smoked worse than smoked but it turns out they came out victors and the Steelers and Juju's loud mouth well Juju Smith-Schuster he's on the couch the Browns is the Browns hey Browns are the Browns that's right English 
We'll be back with the second hour of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. You are On the Line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the show. You want to call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you ever miss a show, if you missed the first hour, you can go and find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio or over on RadioAlabamaSports.net. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well, at RadioALSports. Levi, tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter. At Levi Fitzwater, just first and last name, no caps, and that's one of the benefits for being on Twitter since 2009. You're the first and only Levi Fitzwater right there that's huge and then you can follow me on twitter at point gardner we'll reset the show here we opened up the show talking about roger mccreary announcing his decision to return to the auburn tigers for 2021 but we also talked about the exits as well yesterday most notably the big exits were daquan newkirk and big cat bryant how is that going to affect auburn's defense to have mccreary coming back but also losing some key pieces up front on the defensive line where depth is already a concern where experience is already is a concern and where production is already a concern and i think those are two players too that you can point out have concerns with production i don't think that they produce this year like they were built to produce or like we've seen defensive linemen develop and produce under kevin Steele and rodney garner obviously those two coaches right now aren't on the staff kevin Steele's not coming back now rodney garner i guess there have there hasn't been a defensive line coach named yet there were four coaches hired starting on friday carnell williams back as running backs coach zach etheridge returning to the plains he's coming in as quarterbacks coach which is interesting diction and interesting wording there about what that title is called because that opens up okay so there's probably going to be a safeties coach then rather than just defensive backs coach so Zach Etheridge coming in to coach quarterbacks Jeff Schmetting named inside linebackers coach and defensive run game coordinator at Auburn and then Brad Bedell named tight ends coach amongst this group because we haven't gotten into the hires yet at all amongst this group what's your takeaway this is I, I, I was really high up on the hires initially I liked Bobo I like Derek Mason. I liked those hires. Will Friend, I thought, was a good hire for the offensive line. I loved how it started. I felt like the hiring process lost a little bit of momentum starting on Friday, but I'm not going to sit here and say that any of these are bad hires either. What is what is one that is sticking out to you in our, in particular? The one that sticks out to me the most is the Jeff Schmetting at linebacker, and it's from the perspective that so many Auburn fans have wanted to retain 
so many Auburn players want to retain yeah, the guy that uh, you're about to say. Owen Papo was very vocal about that on social media as well. So bring bring his guy back, right? They, and that's yeah. Travis Williams. And they want Travis Williams on that roster, players and fans alike. I mean, you see it every day scrolling through all the various social medias. Fans and players alike want him there. So what does this mean? Does this mean that he's not going to be coming back? Does it mean maybe he comes back in a different capacity, a different sort of role? As outside so, linebackers coach, yeah, right? <laughs> may, may, maybe that is what but, it is. But that bothers me though, because and I and I'm not optimistic about Travis Williams' return. Now I'm also going to let everybody know that I don't have any inside information on this track, but I'm not optimistic about his return because it feels like it would be a demotion for Travis Williams to go from having all of the linebackers to only having outside linebackers. And he's now going underneath a guy in Jeff Schmetting, I feel like, because Jeff Schmetting's going to be also defensive run game coordinator. Jeff Schmetting also was defensive coordinator at Boise for the last two years under Brian Harson. So it feels like that there's already just a, a little bit of a hierarchy that's been established with Schmetting being brought back first instead of Travis Williams. Amongst the Auburn guys, or the only Auburn guy that's been brought back, Carnell Williams was a fan favorite to to be brought back I don't know if it's necessarily for the track record that he's produced over the last two years because I think the one thing you hang your hat on is okay he recruited Tank Bigsby he hasn't developed Tank Bigsby yet because he only had one year with him right but he was great Tank Bigsby's been phenomenal so you've got Carnell's track record as Tank Bigsby and then now you've lost Armani Goodwin so recruiting at the moment isn't looking great on the running back on the running back search but there were two other guys that I really wanted back more than Carnell Williams and that was Larry Porter, who is tight ends and H-backs coach, and he's on special teams. And then also, I wanted Travis Williams. And so far, Brad Bedell at tight end, when all this launched on Saturday with Schmetting and Brad Bedell, it's like those two seemed less likely now because Brad Bedell's taking over tight ends. Does that mean, I mean, we don't know anything about Porter yet. Porter, I guess, could come back on special teams. But I talk about Porter, though, majority of... Larry Porter's career has been as a running backs coach I would have almost and this is a hot take because a lot of Auburn fans once again love Carnell Williams and Carnell's great I mean you look at the history and what Carnell did at Auburn he's a fan favorite and rightfully so he's historically one of the greatest running backs to have ever walked through the doors at Auburn University but Larry Porter's track record as a recruiter he's also been a great running backs coach pretty much everywhere he's been Larry Porter's got the track record at that position group I would have almost have rather had Larry Porter come back because of his ability to recruit and had him be running backs coach than Carnell Williams back but still excited to have Carnell back but but nonetheless I, I would love to see Larry Porter return to Auburn and I'm not overly optimistic about that one and I'm not overly optimistic about Travis Williams returning for for one I've already detailed I agree with you on that regard these hires really seem like it pushes those guys out of the door, especially with the Travis Williams thing. You made it a, a point that I hadn't considered myself, and I think a lot of Auburn fans should really think about the hierarchy aspect. You have Harson's former defensive coordinator, who is going to be coaching linebackers or the inside linebackers. You also have Derek Mason, a former head coach, coaching over the defense. It's it really seems like there is kind of, I mean, you said it best, a hierarchy in place. Where does Travis Williams go from there? If he's okay with taking a small demotion and maybe just only coaching outside linebackers, it makes sense if he's willing to put ego aside and do that. Otherwise, I mean, it just does not seem that there's room for him or Larry Porter on this roster 
in a coaching aspect because of the hires that were made over the weekend. And that's rough for Auburn fans. It's going to be hard because those are guys that they wanted, especially Travis Williams. Any cause for concern that the last three hires that have been announced at Auburn all came from Boise State? A small bit. It's good to see that familiarity with Harson on this roster, but at the same time, it, at the beginning, it was so diverse. We were getting a lot of guys from different places, and now it seems that it's more coming back to that Boise State quarterback or coaching roster that they have. I wouldn't say it's too concerning right now, but and they're it's, not overly important position groups, right? It's just, yeah, I mean, position groups can change. It can change a lot when you have a really good position coach. I mean, you saw a guy like Joe Brady who was, you know, over quarterbacks and how he can do that and, again, step up to an offense coordinator role and really take control over a specific player or set of players. Well, let's break down these two then. Schmetting inside linebackers coach. My biggest concern there, can he recruit at the same level as Travis Williams? Boise's had some good linebackers. Obviously, Leighton Vander Esch is a big guy that you think of that came out of Boise State. It's not like Boise State is being chastised for what they've been able to do. But once again, they are the big dog in Boise. So when I see a guy from Boise State hired onto Auburn staff, I have the same concerns with those guys as I had with Brian Harson initially of, okay, can this guy recruit the Southeast and can he coach at this level amongst Southeastern amongst southeastern programs that are like georgia and alabama have better talent than auburn right now can he develop those guys to perform and when you've already had a guy on staff that's proven his ability to do both of those things it it stings a little bit to see it's not travis williams at that position group that's the that's the one thing is travis williams has already proven that now i don't know what the interview process looks like for travis williams in his discussions with with Brian Harson, I don't know what that looked like. You know, none of us are in that room. Maybe I, I, I have no idea what Harson is going through his mind when he says, you know, Jeff Schmetting is going to be my guy there. And it could be for all very valid and great reasons. Schmetting could really work out. I'm not saying that it won't work out because he came from Boise. I'm just saying there's definitely your reasons for concerns versus a guy who's already got a proven track record over years now, several years. We saw the Auburn linebacker room revolutionized by Travis Williams it changed overnight linebackers used to be a weak position at Auburn Ellis Johnson days before that I mean like Travis Williams changed the game at linebacker at Auburn and it hurts to not see him right now already on this staff when he has been someone who has been so sought after from guys in this program players and then outside of it as well then Brad Bedell at tight ends coach tight ends coach is not a is not an important it's one of the least important position groups on in this program it is it uh, what, whatever like they they hired a guy from Boise to go and be tight ends coach if you can coach tight ends you can coach tight ends I feel like that's that's fair to say if you can coach tight ends you can coach tight ends that's also not a position that I'm that strong about where you're like oh you have to go and get four-star tight ends you have to like dude if you didn't get four-star tight ends what are you doing man that's like i mean we want to we want them we want to go get four-star tight ends but but it it does i don't think it matters i think that that's a position group that if you just get a guy who can catch that a guy who could just do the finer things they can be developed that is just that's such a unique position group it's like can you coach the position can they play the game like i'm not i'm not that worried about it like oh yeah dude do you even lift you're not even a four-star tight end man (laughs) like i don't care about that because I, i feel like there's so many like tight ends just one of the most off the radar 
positions out there especially on the recruiting trail in college football I mean that there are no five-star tight ends out there you're already starting at a four-star because they're just not that revered it's not one of the most it's one of the least important positions on the field now Auburn's going to use them but it's one of the least important positions on the field in terms of like what you're going out and recruiting how often do you see a tight end drafted in the NFL draft in the first three rounds it happens. There's it does happen. But yeah, like, Hawkinson and and uh, Noah Fant, they got drafted a few years ago. Fair. Very rarely, though, does very rarely does the first-round tight end work out. I mean, most of the guys are uh, later-round guys. And, guys, again, you hit it on the head when you say they develop. I think the tight end position is super important, just not from a recruiting standpoint. It's not important to get a guy. Like you said, I mean, Robert Tunyon was virtually a nobody last year. Comes out one of the top five best tight ends in the league this year. Like, teams just aren't, like, jumping at the bit to go and just grab a tight end somewhere, you know? I mean, it impacts the game, and I've spent all last week saying how much tight ends have impacted college football and its emergence has changed the game in college football. It has because the position has changed. Tight ends have become more of a mismatch now than ever, but you can develop them easier, I feel like, than other positions. It's not a position where you're like, Look, you've got to have a 300-pound-plus defensive tackle in this day and age in college football. You've got to have a defensive line that can change the game. That's the most important position on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, it's offensive line and quarterbacks. And you'd much rather have great receivers and running backs than a great tight end. You know, it's the least important position group to recruit on offense. And nobody's disagreeing with that. And so I'm not overly concerned about, oh, they brought a guy out of Boise to come coach the position. Zach Etheridge at cornerbacks, first job on this big of a stage let's see it it's great to see a captain come back for Auburn he's another guy that's unproven I feel like I mean he's done well at Houston he's unproven though I feel like these four guys all have an unproven quality about them that's the takeaway I've taken and that's why I opened this segment saying it felt like the momentum of this coaching search changed a little bit from where it was it went from super experienced to unproven at least in the southeast unproven and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we'll see these guys really take a, a next step like Zach Etheridge and really, you know, take over the cornerbacks and really do a fantastic job with them. Sometimes it's not the flashy things we talked about, the sexy hires, the flashy hires. Sometimes it's some guy that you bring in, never heard of him before, never really paid him any attention, and then he comes out and really wows you and or becomes an incredible position coach. So I agree. It, the momentum did kind of die. They weren't as exciting as the others. But I think they are still some pretty good hires in there. I think they're not they're not terrible hires. Nobody's getting upset outside of maybe, you know, the Schmetting hire because they wanted Travis Williams. From a you know, from the perspective of Schmetting's, you know, his caliber, like what he's done. He was at Eastern Washington, a very good D two program or FCS program, and he has had good defenses at Boise State, so Not a terrible hire, just not what Auburn fans want. Sharif Cooper named SEC Freshman of the Week. We'll talk about him and Auburn basketball on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on the line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. If you miss a show, go check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. 
Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, sports news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. You can also find good stuff on ESPNAU.com. All well worth checking out, and I encourage you to do it right now. Obviously, don't wreck the vehicle, but, you know, just when you get a chance, go check it out on ESPN 106.7. Tease this going into this segment. Sharif Cooper tabbed as SEC Freshman of the Week. Uh, if you go 26-9 and nine in a ball game, you better be SEC Freshman of the Week. And Sharif Cooper, and I can't believe we're just now getting to this, but there was so much to unpack with Auburn Athletics. Coaching hires, players leaving, players returning. And now Sharif Cooper is one of those guys returning, and he lit it up. Sharif Cooper came out there on the floor in the first 10 minutes and you just had this feeling you're like he's gonna turn it on just wait be patient something's going to happen the fire is going to it's going to happen he's going to make a shot one of his teammates is going to make a shot after a great feed you already saw right off the bat great handles and passing but then the scoring followed it up once he finally got a bucket he turned it on Sharif Cooper just changes the game at Auburn it was the it was the most he's the best guard I've seen play at Auburn in my lifetime then I don't think that's hyperbole. He was doing things in his first game. I think you noted it on. It's the best team in the SEC. Yes. I think you noted on Twitter how you could tell at first, you know, he wasn't quite up to the game speed and then it just clicked hit. He's, he was just so impressed. It's just so impressive. His field vision. And one thing that I just absolutely loved out of him was his ability to split two high defenders when he's there it seemed like every time he was just up there they were kind of maybe in like a smaller two three zone or you know they have another defender nearby and he would just split two guys drive right to the basket and easily make a layup or get fouled on the way up there and get two opportunities at the line it just felt like every play he was able to get by whoever was guarding him guarding him or the two people around him that and his confidence I mean man the kid is flat out special it's such a lazy thing to say, but that kid is just so It's not special. lazy, it's true. Don't let people out there in the Twitterverse, as Brian Harson would call them, don't let Twittyots tell you that it's hyperbole to say this right now. Probably a little early for me to say best guard I've seen at Auburn, but he's further along than where Jared Harper was as a freshman, and he's missed over 70 days of practice and only had been with this group for a little bit before he finally got deemed eligible. Not to mention, he's going against one of the deepest teams in the SEC that's sitting right now at the top of the SEC. We'll be breaking that against Kentucky tomorrow. And he did it having had no experience at the collegiate level. And he dropped 26 points and 9 assists. It was one of the best guard performances, just straight cold, to see him put up. I mean, Justin Powell, granted, has had a 26-9 and performance this year as well, but I was so impressed, and it's just the beginning. It will only get better. It will only click more. The chemistry will only come together more. And Alabama fans listening to this right now might be rolling their eyes at the moment, but Sharif Cooper, I mean, how can you not look at a player like that and just be like, yep, this is going to be special? And the biggest takeaway that I had about Sharif Cooper stepping onto the floor against Alabama, if he comes back next year, which I feel pretty confident in saying that Sharif Cooper will not go to the NBA this year, mainly because he's not on NBA draft boards at the moment. Now, could that change? Yes. But Auburn's not playing in the postseason this year. Sharif Cooper really only has 
half a season left to put together some type of resume to go on to the NBA. And I think the biggest thing holding him back right away is the missed time, the lack of experience that he has now lost from having missed half a season in college, and the fact that he's six feet tall. He's not big for a point guard. The he's not average of, size for a point guard. The he's size is the average. big thing. The size is the big one that'll keep him coming back. He's several inches shorter than average point guard size in the NBA. That has slowly but surely increased, I feel like, every year. Yeah. I feel like it's gone now to, you know, on average you're looking at a 6'3 guy. Russell Westbrook is 6'3 and probably still on the smaller end as far as height, but he makes up for it for blazing fast athleticism and can jump out of a gym. Sharif Cooper has a great first step, an NBA quality first step, and probably NBA quality handles, but I've got to see him more against NBA quality defense. And I don't think we saw him really matched up against that on Saturday against Alabama there's more to be seen and I think that's going to hold him out of the NBA but that's a great thing the biggest takeaway that I have about Sharif Cooper stepping onto the floor if he is to return to Auburn next year Auburn will be a top 10 basketball team next season mark my words right now January 11th 2021 even if I get on freezing cold takes exposed Auburn will be a top 10 basketball team next year Whatever if, that means. Whatever. If he comes back. Auburn will at some point get into the top 10 of the AP poll or they will be an Elite 8 team next year because you look at what's coming back for Auburn. I don't think anybody gets drafted off this team this year. I don't think anybody makes that jump. You bring back all of that experience that they are learning this year. We already saw the impact, the direct impact that Sharif Cooper made. They're going to get more comfortable playing with each other. Everybody's going to go back to their normal positions. Development is going to occur. Massive leaps in development is about to occur at Auburn. And then you add in the top five overall player, Jabari Smith, coming to Auburn next year. Amongst other great recruits coming in, Auburn's going to be loaded. Auburn is is going to be the deepest Auburn basketball team to have hit the floor other than maybe that team that went to the Final Four because they just had sheer experience everywhere. But as far as like one-and-done NBA talent and then match that with experience, this group is is possessing even a higher caliber than what that group did. Sharif Cooper's ceiling is higher than that of Jared Harper. And I feel like that's heresy in the Auburn community because people, I mean, he's he's beloved. But Sharif Cooper's already showing, I feel like, right away with 26-9 and in his debut that the ceiling can be higher and of course fuddy-duddies are going to be out there saying pump the brakes but it, i'm telling you auburn's going to be a top 10 basketball team next year and i'm ready to say it right now he's he's a ta- he's an incredible talent and like you said bringing in all of the other recruits that are coming in next year along with think about all the young guys this year that we've talked about and harped on especially all last week about them lacking experience you know what they're going to get this year experience they're going to get a lot a lot of sec experience so really it's going to be sharif cooper's show from here on out he is going to really have to just take the reins and play with that talent he makes guys around him better he does so much well he just does so many things so well and what are some of those things again ball handling ability is for a guy who just stepped on there man that was incredible you hit on it when you were, you know, just discussing him. His first step. That first step is so fast. It's that quick. It's so hard to stop. And again, he just kept splitting guys left and right, getting his shot at the basket. And then if he didn't, he was kicking out. He made the defense start collapsing. Again, we talked about it all last week that Auburn needed point guard play. And you saw the difference 
a point guard makes on this roster. It helps when he's Sharif Cooper playing, you know, lights out basketball, but it causes the defense to shrink. Guys like, you know, Johnson can really get their shot now. A guy who's quick catch and release. I bet you he woke up and saw Sharif Cooper was playing and he just had the biggest smile on his face. I bet all of them did. Oh, for sure. They knew they were going to get their shots. They were going to get open looks because that's what Sharif Cooper's going to do. He's going to drive, get guys open, make defenses collapse. I think they were also happy that their guy, yes. their teammate, finally getting to place a ball Especially when, after this long saga. And a lot of people considered not correct, not the correct decision by the NCAA. Sharif is freed and unleashed the Sharif. Auburn did. Fantastic performance for him. 26-9. and nine. I said this on the show last Friday. I said there was absolutely no path to victory for Auburn if they lost the turnover battle. And they lost the turnover battle, 20-16, to 16, even with Sharif Cooper out there. That's a big part. Those 20 turnovers are a big part of Alabama putting up 94 points. I think you see that game maybe rest a little bit more into the 80s if there weren't so many turnovers in the ballgame. Also, free throw numbers. I've come to expect in Auburn-Alabama basketball games that there will be 60 free throw shot combined. And that's about where those two teams were at when you're looking at the numbers. And so I've been uber impressed with what i've seen so far obviously the first step in his handling ability is what sticks out primarily about cooper but my last question to you before we go to break in about a minute is can sharif cooper take auburn back to the final four i think i think next year he could with the talent that's coming in but there has to be a lot more change it it can't just be on sharif cooper because you saw it i mean dan dockage said it what, a thousand times that nobody was getting back on defense True. after an Auburn make, after an Auburn miss, after an Auburn free throw? It's because it happened a thousand times. Exactly. It wasn't because it, he, he was, was picking on Auburn. It's because it happened 94 points worth. Yes, he, he. what he was saying was true. He was doing his job and saying, hey, you got to get back and play defense because it wasn't happening. And you're not going to be a Final Four team if you play defense with that lackluster of an effort. If you want If you make a shot and start patting yourself on the back and puffing your chest instead of getting back playing defense – you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. And that goes for everybody. That's the entire team. So that's, that's going to be something that they have to do. Again, they're going to have to get experience. Alabama, clearly the veteran team. They shined bright when the game was on the line. Auburn shrank a little bit. A couple quick shots by Sharif Cooper, which were not terrible decisions because you did want to get a quick shot, but maybe you could have gotten a quick, a quick shot and a better shot. He was effortlessly getting to the rim. I wouldn't have, I didn't like the three point decisions. Those were freshman decisions. But I mean, if if they went in, everybody's Agreed. you know ooing and awing about it. But I, even if they did go in, I'm still going to tell you to your face that it wasn't a good shot attempt. It was a bad shot. I was shaking my head each time they went up. There were two there, but still excitement through the roof about Sharif Cooper, and it's not hyperbole. Auburn's got br- a bright future with Sharif Cooper. And for what it's worth, I think they can go back to the Final Four with him, too. More of On the Line coming up. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Coming up in 30 minutes, we'll have The Drive with Bill Cameron on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. And Bill and the guys probably going to continue on with the the discussion, you know, happening in Auburn football right now, new coaching hires. Also, you know, guys returning like Roger McCreary, that's a big deal. Also, guys leaving like Daquan Newkirk 
And, um, and Big Cat Brian also taking off for other programs, not for the NFL. They're in the transfer portal. And so we've we've talked about that at length today. Let's talk about the national championship game, Ohio State, Alabama. We haven't gotten into this a whole lot. Then again, today is the national championship game, and as we should. So Ohio State, Alabama, what does Ohio State have to do to stay in the game? with Alabama a team that has had the propensity this year to really punch out some teams early now I'm over here saying and we talked about this a little bit last week with Ryan Day's comments don't fall for it don't fall for don't or excuse me don't fall for Ohio State don't fall for what they did against Clemson I'm not buying that that's that that can be replicated they have talent as Christian told us earlier Christian Page joined us from cover1.net in the first hour there's talent all over the board NFL talent all over the board but they're injured there just doesn't seem to be the same motivation for Alabama that there was for Clemson now of course there's motivation for the national title game but it would have been interesting if it was playing Clemson in the national title game and it was motivation for Clemson in the national title game I think you would have got a similar result to what you did in the semifinal game but it's a little bit different they had hatred they had vengeance on their minds for Clemson it's not the same for Alabama whereas Alabama from 2014 at least Nick Saban and the coaching staff probably has a want to beat Ohio State for this I know the fan base does so I'm wondering and I'm saying here don't be deceived by what you saw from Ohio State very wise people have told me over time I've heard multiple people say this take the best result from a team and take the worst result from a team off their schedule that's what they've got same can be applied for players performance or anything that's what they are in the middle the average and Ohio State is not what they did against Clemson. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. They're not what they did against Clemson, but I still think they are clearly a talented roster filled with NFL talent, top to bottom, a lot like Alabama is. And it's going to be hard. This is a historically great offense that Alabama has. Just absolutely insane. This the is Nick Saban's best offense. 100%. This might be one of the best offenses in the history of the league if you really ever in college back. football it's it's a it's a good one i think I'm, that one's probably a little bit more of a stretch it's I'm, been fun but i think it's a little bit more of a stretch i'm not saying it's the best but i would probably at least put it probably top 15 top 20 top 10 i'd yeah. get you there yes i think i could do that in modern day football you're comparing apples and oranges when That's, you go pat when you go 15 true. years ago but if you adjust for inflation yeah. you could uh, <laughs> you could really make an argument but yeah there's just so many weapons especially there, uh, Waddle is more than likely going to be playing tonight. Of course, did we expect anything less of when we heard not. that he could possibly play? Of and what does not. that say about Jalen Waddle as an NFL prospect that he he wants to play? There is no doubts. This guy loves football. I think with him, there was this. There's a little bit of a question with the injury about where he would fall into the draft. I think a lot of people still. I don't think he was ever in danger of losing that first round grade because you know what the talent is there. But now you're going to go on the national stage after an injury and really show the NFL guys, hey, this is where I'm at right now. So he he must have a lot of confidence in himself and his health at the moment. If he wants to go play, either that or, like you said, he just really loves football and wants to get out there with his team. I mean, it's the national championship. You got to want to play. Yeah, you don't miss this. Of course. If you, can, if you think you can go out there, you're going to go out there. That's I mean, that's just how it is. And with him... And Devontae Smith and Mechie and Najee Harris, there are too many options to stop Alabama 
it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to contain them. You have to at least try to contain them. If anybody can do it, it's Ohio State with the team they have. I mean, they haven't been great defensively at times this year, but the talent is there. It's the biggest stage. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I think the plus, I mean, Vegas has Ohio State as a nine point underdog. They're not expecting it to be. I feel like that's very fair. Close. I mean, Vegas I was, is typically scary correct. Well, it was, it opened at seven. It dropped to about nine. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it drop back down to maybe, maybe eight and a half and hit up nine. I don't think it'll ever hit 10 just because Vegas doesn't like that. What are you feeling? That 10 number. I think plus nine is a good one. Um, Honestly, I think if as a if you're out there and you're looking into it, Ohio State money line sprinkle is probably a good value. I mean, you're catching a team that would net you a lot if they pulled off that upset. I like the plus nine. I think it's actually going to be a close shootout. Over is probably more accurate at around 76. I mean, I could see this game getting to 50s and 40s. I mean, it could it could get bad really quick. I don't know if I'm quite ready to say Ohio State will win this game because I don't. Like just my gut feeling doesn't think that Justin Fields has to perform on the same caliber that he did against Clemson. I'm not confident he can replicate that performance, which is why I'm not confident that Ohio State can keep up with Alabama. Alabama has the ability to knock you out of a football game in the first quarter and a half. If Ohio State survives that first quarter and a half, they'll have a chance rocky analogy that i think i used last week with you is they got to go 15 rounds they've got to if not they'll be punched out early knocked out they'll be like florida and then they'll be chasing the game if florida did better than most teams could after getting punched out early to be able to get back into it but still you saw that it was too much to overcome because even when you're trying to do a comeback against alabama good luck keeping them off the scoreboard their their foot is on the gas they don't do what the cleveland browns did last night they don't they don't slow down they will still throw the ball all over you going into the fourth quarter there can be no doubt for Alabama and they're not going to tonight after having missed out on a national championship in a substantial amount of time when you compare it to the difference or the the gaps in between the previous titles that Nick Saban has put together at Alabama this is a big one and so I'm not confident that uh, not a hundred percent Justin Fields banged up I mean, he said like the whole right side of his body was sore. That's pretty important for a quarterback. Even if that's not your throwing side, that's pretty important. And so I'm, I'm thinking that he's not going to be able to replicate that. In Alabama's defense, people have, people have said some things about it all year long. And, I, and if you, you know, stumble into Alabama's Twitterverse, if you, if, you, if you stumble into Alabama Twitter amongst Alabama fans, most of them cannot stand Pete Golding defensive coordinator in Alabama most of them want to see him walk after this year the Alabama defense has been fine it's it is a it is not an elite unit it's not Georgia or anything but it is a good unit in college football a top 15 top 20 unit in college football per per capita when you talk about the recruiting that they've done they're probably underperforming a little bit for the recruiting they've done but they're, they're still a good unit and I think it's enough to stifle Ohio State a little bit whereas I don't think that Ohio State can stifle Alabama's offense. So do you have a prediction and a score for tonight? What are you Al- thinking? Alabama two touchdowns. You think least. Alabama two touchdowns? Alabama two touchdowns at least. See, you said the line was at nine. See, I'll, I'll take I'll take Alabama to win by more than that. I'll take that. 
I think I'm going to go Ohio State plus nine, and I think I will take Ohio State with the upset. I think they come out and shock Alabama. I'm gonna, I, I convinced myself while you're, you're talking. Not, you're not picking with your heart, are you? No, I'm not picking with my heart. I, I think this team well, can really pull it together. I think they have talent top to bottom, and I think one of the big factors with this team is the rest factor. Yes, Justin Fields has been hurt, but this team didn't play a lot of games this year. Alabama played, what, what are they on, 14 right now? 13, 14 games? A 10-game season, the SEC championship. This be 13. Yeah, they played 12 games. Ohio State played half of that. The body isn't as worn down. And again, that could mean absolutely nothing tonight. I think that that might can actually benefit Ohio State because you said they need to go the distance. And if you're there, you have a puncher's chance at the end. I think they can go the distance simply because they haven't had to play a lot of games this year. And they don't have a lot of tread on the tires. And again, top to bottom with talent. This, I mean, both of these schools, you're, you're looking at multiple pros on top to bottom throughout the roster. I think Ohio State comes out, and I think they can win this game because of what I saw, also with what I saw with Florida in their matchup against Oklahoma. They took Alabama to the end. Then you see them go out and just get shellacked by Oklahoma. Maybe the SEC is a bit of a fraud this year. I know no. everybody's going to be upset with no. that take, but maybe it's a bit of a fraud this year. That I'm sure same a lot logic, of people are going to be mad. Can be applied to Ohio State struggling with Northwestern. Northwestern's got one of the best defenses in the country. You saw what they did to Auburn. They shut them down. Could Northwestern stop Alabama's offense, though? I, mean, I don't think many people can stop it. Right. And I, I, here's my argument right here Alabama's got a Najee Harris. Alabama's got a Jalen Waddell, at least a 75% Jalen Waddell if he's going to be out there. They've got a Devontae Smith. They've got a Mac Jones. They've got a John Mechie. They got an offensive line that's doing a lot of damage. That offense is unstoppable. Nobody's done it. The most the the best defense in college football in my mind was probably Georgia. At least from a talent standpoint and and what they've got in their defensive backfield being able to match up with the best passing offenses at least having that caliber of the defensive backfield i i hold them in high regard that defense was supposed to be nasty this year and it was nasty at times and of course alabama put it up on them i think that game illustrated that only the most elite defenses can hope to contain alabama and i don't think that alabama has to i i alabama doesn't have to shut down ohio state but i think it's a whole lot easier for alabama to contain ohio state than it is going to be for ohio state to contain alabama the other day with all the playmakers with all of that with all of that thrown into a thrown into a pot and we're stirring it up right here like it's going to be a whole lot easier to contain Ohio State's product on offense than it's going to be to contain Alabama's product on offense so that's know. why I'm going Bama I just I don't trust Alabama's defense I think Ohio State's gonna that's fair I think Ohio State their offense will keep them in there I think their defense will actually get a few stops and I'm gonna go on a limb and say 52-42 Ohio State wins this game by ten. Wow, what? Ten? That came in. That came in from the top rope. We'll see. We'll see tomorrow. We'll wrap up on the line on the other side of this break. We got one more segment to go. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on ninety-eight point three FM and ESPN one hundred six seven. Last segment of On the Line, Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Follow us on Twitter 
at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. If you're coming into the show late, you've missed a you've missed a good one. There was a lot to unpack. Auburn had coaching hires over the weekend. We saw guys depart. We saw guys return. Roger McCrary was the headliner today coming back for the Tigers. Obviously, you're still waiting on Jamie and Sherwood to make a decision. The last big name for Auburn that I really think you could see declare for the NFL draft if he were to make that decision. But with two big-time defensive backs coming back, more so Roger McCrary than Smoke Monday, but with two of his counterparts in the defensive backfield choosing to return, Things I feel like look a little bit better for Jamie and Sherwood to return, but Jamie and Sherwood's his own man and may decide to go and carve it out in the NFL. You never, you never know what these guys are going to choose to do because I don't think many people were expecting Daquan Newkirk and Big Cat Bryant to transfer. Well, guess what? That's occurred now, and with so much changing and so much shifting on Auburn on both sides of the ball, at Auburn on both sides of the ball, with so much changing, those are two big losses, I think, for a defensive line that um, – the defensive line that could use some depth and could use some experience next year especially with some new coaches coming in I was interested to see what they could do with those guys and now they're going to choose to go on elsewhere the drive will be coming up in about 10 minutes the drive with Bill Cameron here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM they'll be taking your calls as well as always you can call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 our phone lines are still open as well you can come and chat with us about whatever you want to talk about in the sports world, whether it's Auburn, Alabama related, or if it's SEC and beyond. NFL playoffs was fun last night, especially for me and for you as well. We had a, we had a good clean sweep last night through the playoff bracket. Um, we got a phone call actually coming in right now, so you'll get to that as well. But I was super impressed with, uh, with some of what we saw from Auburn basketball this past Saturday. Sharif Cooper stepped out on the floor and uh and made some big plays you could really see the the tangible difference of what it meant to have Sharif Cooper on the floor versus not having Sharif Cooper on the floor and of course having Sharif Cooper on the floor versus having no point guard on the floor which is what has been the alternative for Auburn basketball is a completely different story but it is nice to see Sharif Cooper step out there play as well as he did and news came out today that he's been tabbed as SEC freshman of the week we've got a caller on the line Matt out of Auburn Matt how you doing today good how's it going Noah it's going good and uh so what's on your mind hey um how about the Browns destroying the Steelers last night <laughs> that's right the Browns really showed up and uh and, and played great. I was pumped I was so proud of the of the Cleveland Browns to go out there and do that to the Steelers and and you know people ask me all the time why why am I a Browns fan you know if I've grown up in Auburn my whole life how did that happen well my parents never had any type of NFL allegiance growing up they're college football people through and through and I know I know a lot of people are like that in this area and then you know I started going with some friends in college to go to go and watch uh the NFL a lot every Sunday I would and then I, I saw the Browns and that was in about 2016 Browns went one in 15 that year that was when the that was when I became a Browns fan and I said, this team's going to do something special one day, and I want to be a part of it. I want to be along the ride, no matter through the pain, no matter through the suffering. And I went through 1-31 and 31 with them, but now I think we're experiencing at least a little bit, a sliver of something special happening up there in Cleveland. Oh, definitely. And what about the narrative about the coach being out and having Denzel Ward out and so many players? Yeah, and that's the other thing. Is like The Steelers right now want to talk a lot of trash at the moment the Claypool comments right Claypool and and Smith Schuster Smith Schuster today said I have no regrets fine at least he's owning up to what he said but then Claypool today 
you know, making comments saying it's a you know bad loss, but the Browns are going to get you know clapped next week, so I, it's all good. It's like okay, well you're you're on the couch right now, dude, you're at home, and you just lost two weeks in a row. Which last week the Browns, what seems like was missing half of their two starting lineups, and then this game, although they returned a lot and activated a lot off the COVID list, they were missing their head coach, starting left guard and starting cornerback. So like. The losses have been huge for the Browns, but they've still risen to the occasion. And a lot of people nationally want to talk bad about Baker Mayfield, but I think he's been a big part, especially yesterday, about being a calming effect on this Browns team. I mean, he's backwards hat guy. So, I mean, he proved last night that uh, he's he can lead and he can go to the playoffs and win a, win a playoff football game on the road. On the road at a divisional rival, the Steelers. The, one of the most well-known franchises in NFL, the Browns went in there and took it to them, absolutely destroyed them. And me knowing that you're a Browns fan, I was texting you throughout because I was happy for you too. It was exciting to see that happen. It was really exciting. And I was just like, I got to text Noah. I know he's just going crazy right now. Yeah, and it's it's fun. And Auburn people, I'm going to tie this into Auburn because a lot of Auburn people <laughs> right now don't, don't care about what we're talking about with the Browns. But it is at least national news, and people probably watched it last night considering it was Sunday night football. They at least saw some of it. It's it's probably made the rounds around the water cooler. Cody Parkey was responsible last night for 12 points for the Cleveland Browns. You know what that final score was? 48-37. The, the game changes a little bit without some of the made field goals that he had. And then, of course, you expect a kicker to make extra points, but if you take 12 points off the board from the Browns, they lose. And, of course, like I'm going to count the, the six points there from just – you know having made extra points but also I feel like the made field goals came at important moments Matt's off the line so appreciate you Matt for calling into the show here there's it's never too late to call on the line obviously you know it could be a little bit too late if you're listening to the drive later and you call in but call into the drive as well that's coming up after us in a couple of minutes we're about to be getting out of here but yeah super proud of the Browns and what they were able to do Um, and now next week they have the Kansas City Chiefs if there's any team that's going to dissect the abysmal Browns secondary, it will be the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, to name a few. So that's it's not looking great on that end. But I also think with the way that the Chiefs are playing right now, among the four teams going in, I would say the Browns are the, are the fourth best team amongst the four teams left in the AFC side. But if we're talking about like teams that are hottest going into the playoffs right now, the Bills and the Ravens take the cake. That's a more interesting matchup, I think, going into it, obviously because it's you know a closer matchup, of course. But those teams are hotter going into the playoffs than the way the Chiefs played. Of course, the Chiefs haven't lost in quite some time. They haven't played great. The margin of victory in those games has been closer than what they would like to see, I think. There's not a player that I can remember who can just turn it on, like Patrick Mahomes, and this goes for the entire Chiefs team as well. They'll just be middling around through a game, and then the next thing you know, They've just ripped off three touchdowns in a matter of what feels like minutes sometimes. And again, they're definitely not one of the hottest teams. I, I agree with you. I think the Bills and the Ravens are the two hotter AFC teams that are in this playoffs. But do you think there's a realistic chance that the Chiefs can go down to the Cleveland Browns next week at Arrowhead? It's the NFL playoffs, of course. Any team can lose at any time. Yesterday, we saw, or over the weekend, we saw several teams get upset we did and anything can happen I thought that the the Bears Saints was a little bit closer probably than than you may have liked I mean obviously y'all controlled the game but it's not like you ran through them so anything can happen in the playoffs and I don't think the Chiefs repeat this year either because that's hard to do as well so 
There's a lot to look forward to in the NFL playoffs coming up, but there's a lot to look forward to for the rest of this week with online. It's day one down of this week. You got four more coming up. Stay with us. The drive coming up after us. We'll see you tomorrow. You know where to find us.